One of the greatest things someone has ever said to me uh, was the year that I graduated high school, I received a book uh, called Letters to a Graduate. And in there was a quote by Dr. Charles Swindoll, and it said, life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. I've pretty much have lived my life uh, with that quote ever since, because it's so true. Uh, life really is just a small percentage of the things that actually happen, but 90% of, of what actually happens is how I react to it. So that's the greatest thing someone has ever told me. So today we're talking about the tongue and, and the superpower that you have. But before we do, uh, some pretty good news. In the midst of all of the COVID and everything that's happening, our church continues to grow. As a matter of fact, this week was a huge week for us. We uh, had huge growth in our church because uh, Diana and Edwin Lopez invited their brand new baby into the world, uh, Gabriel Sebastian Lopez. And Justine and, De uh, and David Falcone invited Claire Everly into their family. And so uh, make sure, yep, when you, uh, you can clap loud, yeah. Matter of fact, the rule is now you have to clap twice as loud as you've ever clapped before. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just fun being together in that way. But uh, we're really, really, really uh, grateful for these new babies that have come into our family. And, and that's what Skyline's about. We want to teach people, mom and dad, how to love each other so the kids grow up in a home where they, they really know that they're loved. Um, so superpower. Um, how about uh, superheroes? Any, like, any of you into superheroes? I never, I never really was that much into it. But there is one I saw that I, if you ask me, okay, which superhero would you want to be? I think it's him. Uh, his name's Luke Cage. And he is, his ability is, he has skin that is really super tough. So you can shoot him and the bullets just basically bounce off. But if you come up with a bullet that's big enough to penetrate him, then he, he heals within about 15 seconds or so. Right? So it really hurts. He gets knocked down, but he just heals in a ways he goes. Now this is what I love about Luke Cage. <clears throat> he operates in the inner city. And he finds out who's doing wrong, and he gives them immediate punishment for what they've done. Like, I like that idea. I like the idea that a criminal, man, you catch him in the act, and he gets the punishment right in the act. I, I just love the idea of cleaning up the streets. I, I, I love it. How about you? What's your, what's your, what, what would you like to be? How about, how about this? How about instead of a cartoon or a totally fake person? How about, like, real people who are different? Like, they have superpowers. They're different than us. No, not to the level of the cartoon. But they're really different. One of the guys um, that goes to Hoboken Grace is uh, Nate Solder. And Nate is an uh, offensive tackle for the Giants. And he played for the Patriots. So he has two Super Bowl rings. And he's been to, I think, three or four Super Bowls. He's 6'8 and huge. I don't know how much he weighs, but he is huge. Now, here's the interesting thing about Nate. If you ever meet him, he's, he's a really laid-back guy. Like, really easygoing, grinning, like, just hanging out kind of guy. He doesn't really seem like he has these superpowers. And during the pandemic, one of the things that Christopher did is he got a couple of guys together, and through Zoom, they watched the Michael Jordan uh, documentary. And while they're watching it, uh, they, they start talking about how 
Michael Jordan is so competitive, just like some other quarterback. I won't mention that other quarterback that played for the Patriots. And, right? Although we might be able to mention him. He doesn't play for the Patriots anymore. We'll see what happens. And they said that they kept telling stories about how, what it was like to play with him and what, how crazy competitive these people are. And, and Christopher said it was the most amazing thing to watch. This is over Zoom. He said over Zoom you could feel the intensity raise in Nate. So that by the time they got halfway through that documentary, he was like a totally different person. I said, you mean like, like the Hulk? He said, yeah, it was like the Hulk. Like he was so intense because when Nate steps on a football field, he has, compared to us, superpowers. He has an intensity that's unbelievable. You just, he's a different person. Superpowers. Now, the Bible has a crazy message for you that you have a superpower. In your tongue, you have a superpower. This is, what I like about this is different than other ones is this. This is not the kind of thing where like, okay, you have it, you have 50% of it, you, you barely make it. All right, you, it's not like that. All of you have it. Now, you may not, it may not be that you're going to use it on thousands of people. It may be that some of you are going to use it on 100 people and some of you on 50 and some of you on two. But it's a superpower. Let's see what the Bible says. The Bible says this. The soothing tongue is a tree of life. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. The tree of life was originally in the Garden of Eden. And if you ate from the tree of life, you would live forever. God actually, after, after Adam and Eve sinned, he kicked them out of the garden so they wouldn't eat of the tree of life and live in sin forever for all of eternity. It's a tree. You go to a tree and you pick its fruit. When you go apple picking, you, know, you go to an apple tree and you pick the goodness of the truth, the fruit of, the, of that tree. Your tongue has the power. It has the ability to be the tree of life to other people, to bring life to other people. But a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. It's a superpower in the negative, too. We're going to stay on the positive side. We're going to stay on the life side today. Throughout the series, we've talked about the devastation that the tongue can have. Today, we're going to talk about the superpower on the life side of it. So how, how, how do you do? Would I recognize it? If I, if I followed you around, school, work, with your friends at home. If we followed you around, would I recognize your superpower? Would, would you recognize it? Do you think you have the superpower or do you think you're just Joe Schmo from Kokomo? How do you discover it? How would you find it? That's what we're going to look at. How do I discover my superpower? First, super simple, surrender my heart and my tongue to God. Surrender my heart and my tongue to God. Have you noticed the same thing I've noticed? I got superpower. If you had talked to me about the crushing spirit part, I got superpower. 
My ability to think up something that will hurt people, I don't have to work at that at all. Whenever I get in a fight with somebody, now I've learned what we talked about last week. I've learned to keep my mouth shut so I can seem wise. I've learned to do that so I keep my mouth shut. If you could see inside my brain of what I'm thinking, I would love to say to that person. Sometimes I take showers and I have conversations with people I don't like in the shower. Right? You've had those conversations too, right? By the time you're halfway through the shower, you've destroyed them. And you don't have to work at thinking about how you can say the meanest thing so that it would go right to their heart and really hurt them. That's why you have to take the superpower and surrender it to God. Your tongue on your own is dangerous, but powerful. But that power has got to be surrendered, and your heart has got to be surrendered to God, because that's where the words come from. They come from your heart. The Bible says this, to humans belong the plans of the heart. That's the conversation you have with yourself all the time. You you are making plans all the time. Not detailed plans. Some of you do. I, I, I don't do the details. I just do the big plans. And you plan all the time. And people are like, what are you thinking? You won't even tell people. You're like embarrassed about all these plans that you have and you're talking about. And you, and you, you, you have plans in your heart. But from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. See, when I'm in the shower having those conversations, that's plans of the heart. Those words, not helpful. But from the Lord comes words that can really make a difference, can be the tree of life. All a person's ways seem pure to them. that phrase make any sense to you? You think that what you did was the right thing to do. Did you know that you always think you're doing the right thing? Yeah. That's why when you get caught, you explain why you were doing it. And you think the other people around you will go, oh, I get it now. It makes perfect sense why you stole that. Yeah, I get it. I understand why you slapped him. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's good. No, your, 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 your ways, they seem pure to you. They really make sense to you. But motives are weighed by the Lord. What, what, what? No, God will show you what's really going on in your heart. That's why you've got to submit your heart and your words to Him so He can show you what they weigh and what's going on inside of you. Another passage says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. What? No, God, my tongue, my superpower is here for you. Here's my plans. Here's what I've been thinking about. I want to bring that before you and before your word. What do you think about that? I do this. I do this a lot. I do it so much. I've even gotten to the place where I don't do it. What are you talking about? You see, once you find out that something works, but you don't want the answer, you no longer go to that person and ask them. 
Once you find somebody who really gives you great wisdom and you don't want to do the right thing, you don't, you don't ask that person. You go to somebody else. You see, when you bring before God, God, what's your heart on this? What, what's your wisdom on this? What do, you, what do you think I should say here? He'll establish your plans. In other words, it's going to come about. It's going to be good. The second thing is, so first we, we, we surrender to God. The second thing is practice, praising, worshiping, thankfulness, and awe. Practice praising, worshiping, thankfulness, and awe. What, what brings you to awe? What brings you to go, whoa, that's amazing. You ever hear a piece of music and you, you just want to sit down and you're like, that's incredible. Then you get hooked on it and you put it on replay on Spotify and you just play it over and over and over. It's awesome. Nature's like that. You walk outside or you go someplace, you see something beautiful, you're like, oh, wow. It's when you practice talking about that. You practice praising not just God, but praising people and praising beauty and praising accomplishments, and you worship God, and you're thankful for what you have. The Bible says, my tongue will proclaim the righteousness your praises all day long. This is a practice. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak what is just. How you doing with that in the whole COVID thing? This is what my life's like. Get up in the morning. Today, I'm going to practice this. Because that's what I want my tongue to be. That's how I want to do it. I'm going to practice this. So today, I am not going to share with anyone my opinions about the way the shutdown is happening. Just don't talk to me. Because it seems like by the time I get to the third sentence, I start out, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk about it. By the time I get to the third sentence, I'm like, I, I scrumple my nose. I hope you saw that. Right? Why do they do this? This doesn't make any sense. Why are they doing that? And on and on and on I go. That does not lead me to my superpower. It leads me away from it. I think the last passage we just said, the mouths of the righteous utter wisdom. Their tongues speak what is just. The last uh, one is something that the Bible says for the whole church to do. This is what it says the whole church is supposed to do. This is a very interesting time for all of us, right? Everything's crazy. Everything's like, what's going on? So what are we going to do as a church, right? Like, what if, what if we can only have like 50 people here for a year? What are we going to do? And so you tend to kind of be like, well, let's pull back. But we're not going to do that. We, we are going to plan what we're going to do this fall. We're going to unveil it over the month of August. And we're going to move forward because we serve Jesus. We serve the God of the universe. And so what we do is really, really important. And this is one of the things he says the church should be doing. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship Sing. This, this is what you need to do. All week, 
you need to roll up your windows, turn on the air conditioning, and sing out loud in the car. Like, sing out loud. People should be driving by you going, what is up with that dude? He is smiling like I can't believe. He's yelling about something. Yeah, because they're singing. That's what you want to do. Now, if you're like me, you've got to roll up the windows first. Or they won't be, they won't be going like, oh, he's doing nothing. Like, All right? That's how you discover the superpower. There's somebody who, uh, who, who was impacted by that. Matter of fact, throughout the day, we're going to share different stories. And the, first, or the second one is Kenji. I'd like you to see what he has to say. Years ago, I was working as a manager of a retail bank in New York City. And uh, because of the embezzlement with one of the employees in the trading desk, we had to close the door. And I was, uh, since I was a retail manager, I was the one that uh, made the announcement and uh, taking care of all these customers. And some of the customers naturally got mad and, you know, cast word and, and left. But some of them are really giving me an encouraging word and uh, keep me strong and uh, able to complete the job of closing the bank and uh, I was fortunate enough to move to the different bank and these customers still remain with me and giving me encouragement. And uh, this is, uh, you know, years ago it happened, but still today I am taking care of these customers and they like uh, the bank and myself. I appreciate all those kind words they gave me years ago. So you may be wondering or thinking, does this have anything to do with my practical life? This is, this is all about your practical life, right? This is it's a banker. And how that encouraging word, how that impacted their finances for the very much long term, the relationship that happened out of encouraging words that came at the right time. Now, I want to be uh, clear about this. We're not talking about flattery. Flattery is when you try to say things to make everybody okay. Flattery is when you say things that aren't true just to make people feel good so they'll feel good towards you. You're not helping them interact with the truth. You're just saying things so it all gets okay. It's all okay. Sometimes people think that, oh, the, the way I want to use my tongue is, a, is I just want, I, I don't want any conflict. I want to make sure everything's good. That leads to flattery. The Bible says flattery is not a good thing. It says, whoever rebukes a person will, will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about telling the truth, but we're talking about being able to communicate with people and talk to people in such a way that it brings life. It brings life to them. So, let's, let's try a whole new approach. You probably have tried the flattery approach. You've probably tried the uh, I'm never going to talk again approach. That doesn't work so well. Uh, you've probably tried the I need to figure out how to use the right word at just the right time. And so you have a list of words that you use. Some of you, if you, if you really struggle, you have a three-by-five card. And if certain situations happen, you go, and you read it off the card. Because you know you get in trouble otherwise. But let's, let's try a different way. 
Let's, let's try a different way or a different approach in terms of discovering the superpower and then using the superpower. It comes from Colossians 4.6. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Here's a couple things that are true about grace. One, grace always deals with the truth. Reality. It always deals with the truth. Second, grace is what comes from God when from the kindness of his own heart, he did he sacrificed for us so that he and I, we could have a relationship with him. He always starts where the person is and then does whatever it takes to be able to meet them where they are. And then seasoned with salt. I like that. Salt is, makes it tasty. It's not boring. Salt is protective. Salt is uh, a preserver. It has a lot of uses. It's powerful so grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. How do we interact with each other by grace? How does that impact our tongue? Well, first and foremost, when we talk to people, we want to talk to them on the basis of this is who God says they are, not who we think they are. Not, not based on our experience. We want to talk to them based on who God says they are. I want to introduce you to Rachel. She has a pretty cool interaction with somebody speaking to her, telling her who God says that she is. So on the subject of the power of the tongue, a bunch of years ago, I took Growth Catalyst with uh, Monica and Sally, and during that season, God exposed and unveiled my eyes to the sin that I was carrying in my life and the things that I needed to repent of. And I just remember going through those motions and those storms and feeling so low and so wretched and just overwhelmed by seeing myself in my truest and most raw form as a sinner. Um, and I remember that they would tell me the same four words every time that I was feeling at my lowest and I needed to be picked up. And they would say to me, Rachel, Jesus died for that. Jesus died for that. Just four words. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, four words blessed me so much, not only in those seasons, but even now, years after Growth Catalyst, I still hear their voices in my head sometimes when I'm really, really low. And when I feel the weight of this world and of my circumstances just piling up against me, I hear their voices saying, Rachel, Jesus died for that. And so I think that's a perfect example of the power that we have and the choice that we have in our words where we could even speak life into someone in words that we don't think are going to make a difference and years later it's going to bless them and continue to produce fruit in their life. And so uh, I think we should make that choice because we make the choice but God uses it to produce the fruit. So that's what I got. Over and over again, they told her, this is who God says you are. You're forgiven. Jesus died for that. Now, here's the foundation to superpower. Superpower foundation is this. There's not two of you in the conversation. There's three of you. If there's just you and that other person, you're not going to have much power at all. Or if you do have power, it's going to be to the negative. 
There's three people in the conversation. There's God, there's you, and there's the other person. And when you see yourself based on who God says you are, and then you see them based on who God says they are, it changes everything. You're, you're not going to talk about what you think and your opinion and what it is. You're going to go, wait, wait, what does God say about this? Who does God say this person is? When someone's going through something, you're like, what does God say about going through that kind of a situation? What, when, when, you, when, when you react that way, what does God say you are? And you interact with them that way. Secondly is, I do not know your heart. The natural, the natural thing to do is to go, I know why you did that. I know why you did that. I know what you're thinking. I know why you did that. Especially if you're married. Especially if you're married, man. I know why you did that. You did that because... You know what you're saying? You're saying you know their heart. You don't, it's impossible to speak grace when you trust your opinion of their heart. When you realize you don't know their heart, then instead of speaking, you listen. You go on a journey to find out who they are and what's going on behind the scenes and how, how did this, what, where are you coming from? It's incredible what happens. Have you ever had that experience with God? Have you ever had the experience with God when you realize, wait, this isn't just a one-way street. God wants to know me. God wants to know me. And then he speaks grace into your heart. Next, when you interact with people, you interact with people on this basis that Jesus loves them and he is at work in them. In the church world, it's almost impossible not to fall into this trap. We try really hard at Skyline not to fall in this trap, but I still watch us do it from time to time. It's really hard not to fall into the trap that, listen, when people are living great lives, they're close to God. And when they're sinning and their lives are a mess, they're far away from God. That when they, when, when they are following what, God, what we think God says and what we think they ought to do, we're like, hey, they're really growing. But when their lives are all screwed up and they're doing the dumbest things. Nah, that must not be. That's not true. That's not true at all. In almost every one of your stories, the greatest growth moments in your stories was when you were about ready to walk off the cliff. The greatest growth moments often in your stories is when you were running out there going, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing, I don't need anybody else. Uh-oh, what am I doing? That's when you found Christ. Well, guess what? Christ is at work in them all the time. And so we get to speak grace into their life because we understand even though they think Christ is a million miles away, he's not. He's at work in their lives. So Jesus, how do you want to use me? What do you want me to say to them? What truth do you want me to deliver them? How do you want me to love them? So that I am, in, I am helping with whatever work you're doing in their life. The next is that the Bible says that you answer to Jesus, not to me. The person I'm interacting with, they answer to Jesus, not to me. This is so freeing. It's incredibly freeing. This happens in families all the time to the negative. Family members, for some reason, think that they answer, everybody answers to you. 
You're my sister. Therefore, you answer to me. You're my brother. Therefore, you answer to me. Like, what right do you have in my life? I'm your brother. Oh, man, when you get married, ay, 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 ay. You get married, you're like, you act as if this person, you know why you, you can't, you know why you don't get along anymore? Because when you dated, you didn't act like you answered to each other. You acted like you had to love each other and build each other up and earn each other's love. You got married, you're like, no, no. I own you now. You answer to me. Well, grace doesn't come out of your mouth. But when you realize, whoa, 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 whoa. This person's responsible for themselves. I'm not responsible for them. They don't answer to me. They answer to God. It sets you free to speak with grace. And lastly, I will love you with grace regardless of what you do. There's only one way this happens. You have to be loved with grace by God. You can do this for a little while, but you cannot do this long term without accepting God's grace, without understanding, wait, Jesus didn't just die for me so I could become a believer and go to heaven. He died for me so I could become a believer and go to heaven. And give, he gave me his grace. And then after I became a believer, you know what I did? After he shed his blood, after he gave everything for me, after he gave me a new heart, you know what I did? I said, thanks, Jesus. But I got this handled. I'm going to do this my way. And he keeps pouring grace into me. He keeps pouring grace into me. He keeps working in me. Diane's the next person who's going to share. and She's got a chance to really practice this a lot in her life. So she's going to share a little bit about what she's learned. Okay, so the question is, um, what is the greatest thing someone has ever told you? And while there's many things, I wanted to think of something that, for me personally, has been life-changing. And um, so thinking back, there was a time where, in my life, where I was um, in constant conflict, questioning my worth, um, who I was in Christ, and just things I didn't understand, and um, needed a lot of answers to that I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get. It was, it was in particularly about loving somebody who wasn't kind to you. When I finally broke down, I, I called Marilou and I, I know exactly where I was. Um, and I, I said, I just don't, I just don't understand. And it just left a lot of questions that, that I was just struggling with. And she had said to me, Diane, it has nothing to do with you. And when she said that, I, it blew my mind because it took this week. She goes on to talk about how that it really walks back through the steps we just, we just talked about. How that once she saw, wait, 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 there's three people. There's me, there's Jesus, and there's the other person. Then in much of her conflict, the person she was in conflict was in conflict with Jesus and took it out on her. 
Which, by the way, is almost always true. And your marriages, you're fighting with each other. You're not, you're not at war with the other person. You're at war with Jesus. And you're taking it on the person you're married to. Lots of times it's parents. When you're freaking out on your kids, you can't stop yelling at your kids. You're out of control. Your war is not with your kids. It's with Jesus. Now, when we understand that, then we don't have to defend ourselves. And when you don't have to defend yourself, you can speak grace into other people's lives. When you understand that when they are going to war with you, they're really ticked off at Jesus. They're really after him. You, you can go, well, that's between you and Jesus. And Jesus, you defend me. I don't need to defend me. It's incredible how you can speak grace when that door opens for you. The last one I, I put in here, because I know a number of you struggle with this, and it's this. I can't go with you when you go against God. I can't go with you when you go against God. A number of you really love people. Like, you love them. But your definition of love is you are now responsible for them and their decisions. So you have friends, and, and, and people say this all the time. Hey, man, you were really there for me. You were really there for me. I'm so grateful you're my friend. You're really there for me. You know what that means? That means I did the dumbest thing in the world, destroyed my life, and you just said it was okay. Just hung out with me while I did it. <laughs> That's not cool. That's not good. For others of you, when others walk away from what's right, they walk away from God, their, their lives, they're out there living their life, and quite frankly, they're fairly happy for the moment. They won't be in the long term. They're going to get the fruit from it. And you're over here miserable because you think you have to say something that will convince them to come back. There is nothing that will convince them to come back. When they walk away from God, you can't go with them. All you can do is go to the door and go, I love you. The, the, the way of the transgressor is hard. It's going to hurt out there. Please come back. And when you come back, I'm here. When you do that, you can speak grace into people's lives. Even while they're out there messing up their life. You can speak truth into their life that God will use to eventually bring them back, but not when you take responsibility for them. When they go, you have to let them go. Communicating when you come back. I'm here. The final thing that I want to encourage you with and encourage our church with is this. Why should we do this? Why should you put any time into this? Why should you go, hey, wait, I'm going to go back to these passages. I'm going to do this. I'm going to begin to develop this superpower. I'm going to discover it. I'm going to take these steps. I'm going to practice this. Why should you do this? Because the greatest superpower you have is to share Christ with somebody else. The greatest power you have is to use your tongue and your heart to communicate and help somebody else see there's hope. That Jesus truly has the answer for them. That this COVID thing that's scaring the daylights out of you is nothing that he cannot handle. And he has a plan for the long term. So the next one we 
I want you, it's Patricia, and she's going to share a little bit about that. And I want you to think about this. Would you be willing to, to surrender your heart and your words to Christ so he can use you to change someone for eternity? Take a look at Patricia. The greatest thing that someone has ever told me um, was Pastor Chris back in 2010. Uh, when I first started coming to Skyline, it was at a Sunday service that we were going to take communion, and this was my first time taking communion at Skyline. Um, he just went over what it means um, to be forgiven and that Jesus went to the cross for our sins and um, that we can ask for forgiveness before we take the bread and before we drink the juice. And that was the greatest thing that I ever heard because it changed my life drastically um, after that moment, after accepting grace. And um, I just started on this journey um, to build a life that's worth living. Now the words that I spoke in church are not actually the key words. The key words are her friends who loved her and got to know her and invited her to come to church. The words I spoke were just really the end or the icing on the cake. You rub shoulders all week long with people who need to be loved and spoken to with grace so that you might one day Invite them to Christ. Invite them to come to church. You have the superpower. It's your choice whether or not you access it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. I thank you for every person here and every person who, who's with us as one streaming. Convict them that their tongue has the power to give life. Lord, speak to their heart. Make it clear to them that you want their heart and you want their tongue because you've got great plans. There are lives you want to change through them. Jesus, thank you that this is true and thank you that all over Skyline, we get to experience people speaking to one another and giving life. In your name we pray. Amen.